Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. This is Mike Roth with Mike McCormick, Cincinnati tax coach. Why don't you say hi to everyone, Mike? Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me today. Good. Mike, so let me tell you who's coming up. Next week, we have Glenn Scherzinger of SureThing Pest Control. Glenn is going to be talking about his favorite buggy friends, uh, bed bugs and termites. I know everyone's really interested in uh, talking about them. And the following week on Friday, the 22nd of June, we're going to have Dan Nyer. Dan is a real estate developer, operates some properties, and Dan is going to be talking about the latest trends in uh, commercial real estate. Okay. So, Mike, why don't you tell us, tell our, our listeners a little bit about how you uh, you got here. How, how did you make that decision to uh, forsake a large firm and start your own company? Well, Mike, it was a, a long time in coming. I had uh, uh, worked for this firm for nine years, as I said, and had been a partner for uh, about five years and um, decided that my, my career needed to progress in a different manner than, than where the firm was wanting me to go. Uh, I had plans to ultimately become the successor for this firm Mm -hmm. uh, and was led to believe that uh, that's the direction we were going to go. When it came down to it, uh, commitments were either made and not kept or misunderstood, whatever the case may have been. But I decided to break out on my own in March of 2010 and started Cincy Tax Coach. Actually, the legal name is MJ McCormick LLC. And... Have, have built my practice on working with small businesses, business owners, self-employed folks that are uh, tired of paying more tax than they're legally required to pay. Yes, we do some bookkeeping and we do tax preparation, but I've found that most of the value that I can provide a, uh, a business or a business owner is showing them strategies that are designed to save them money. Mm-hmm. And you know, based on your own estimations, what would you guess as the number of businesses that pay more on their taxes than they have to? My guess is that it's a larger number than what most would expect. Most accountants do a fine job of taking the information that the client gives them, putting it into the books and records, and preparing a tax return based on that information. What we do, what we do, have traditionally done a poor job of, is helping that client find ways to. Uh, restructure their organization, um, turn after-tax dollars into pre-tax dollars, and save the company money. So recently we've heard about Apple Computer that's uh, one of the most profitable, most valued companies in America, paying so little on their income taxes, frankly, at a lower rate than most of us as individuals or business owners. Right. How do they do that? Well, it's a... Many strategies rolled into what what we call the the uh, Irish 
uh, whiskey with a, a touch of the, a Dutch double. Uh, that may not be the correct wording of it, but they are using many strategies to keep money that they're earning offshore, off out of the United States, uh, out of the United States for tax purposes, putting it into Irish corporations, European, other European corporations, uh, where the United States cannot uh, either trace the money or have access to tax the money or have a reason to tax the money. Entirely legal. And, uh, Wouldn't the money be taxed in those countries? Potentially, some of those com countries are more favorable, more business friendly than what the United States is, though. So they would pay a tax in Ireland that's uh, smaller than the tax they would pay here? Potentially. Okay. And that's a, a good strategy if you're an international company? If, if you're an international company, it's certainly worth looking into. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, let's pretend you're an American company and all of your operations are here in America but you sell uh, your international product through uh, third parties or even larger companies, uh, what kind of strategies would, would they use? Well, again, it, it's going to depend on the nature of the business, how uh, proactive their tax advisor is, how willing the business owner is to look outside the box. The, the tax code is full of what I'll call discounts for businesses. There are ways to formulate or structure your business and your business activities to maximize your tax efficiency, to ma maximize your tax savings. Uh, things like uh, a CHIC, uh, one, of, one of my favorite strategies. Like a, a what? It's a CHIC. I know it's an acronym and, and, a, and a buzzword. Yeah, that's uh, like a small chicken, isn't it? A chick? It could be, yeah, absolutely. A, a CHIC is a closely held insurance company or otherwise known as a captive. It's a company that is set up and run on behalf of a parent company or the, par or the parent company's owners. Uh, they can be structured in such a way where premiums can be paid to that company to reduce the parent company's taxable income. It goes into the, the captive and is not taxable because it's considered premium revenue and it goes into the reserves, not into their taxable income. It's a great way to move money, great tax planning strategy, a great estate planning strategy for the right, right business. Uh, but I guess it's important for or expensive to set up your own insurance company. It depends on the business. There are ways to set up a closely held insurance company where the cost of setting it up and maintaining it makes sense given the amount of tax savings you can generate and create by doing so. So how large would the company have to be in millions of dollars, you think, to generate the savings to make it worthwhile to set up this insurance company? Well, to, to take advantage of the entire capacity of a closely held insurance company, a closely held insurance company can have up to $1.2 million in premium revenue that is considered going into the reserves, so they don't pay any tax on that. So in order to have a, a single company be able to take advantage of that, it would be in the billions of dollars of revenue, I would think, to be able to take advantage of the full captive. But there are ways that, that colleagues of mine have what they call unitized a closely held insurance company and broken that $1.2 million up into 12 pieces so your smaller company may be able to buy one of those one-twelfth interests in that company. So if you're a, a doctor, for example, that has significant cash flow or a small business that has excess cash flow, the, the potential for you to, be, to participate in that sort of entity is much more realistic. To set up an entire captive might cost forty or fifty thousand dollars. To set up a unitized check, one twelfth might be six to seven thousand dollars. So it's much more palatable, and the savings can be um, significant if that doctor in the thirty-five percent federal bracket mm -hmm. can write off a hundred thousand dollar contribution or premium going into his check that he owns a hundred percent of. So hundred thousand going in, he saves thirty-five thousand dollars federal taxes right away. Right. So in other words, the whole hundred thousand goes into his captive. And how would he ever get that money out? Well, ultimately, depends on how he structures that 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 captive. His kids could own it, or a tr trust for the kids could own his captive. Ultimately, that chick gets liquidated, and the money comes out at capital gain rates through a liquidating distribution of that corporation. Okay. So he gets an ordinary tax deduction write-off comes out as capital gain on the other end. And we're assuming that the capital gains rate 
at the other end is going to be lower than it, it is that's correct. for ordinary income. Absolutely. And, and at the end of this year, we're looking at bush tax cuts expiring and the rates are going up. So your ordinary income tax rate right now is going up to 39%. Mm -hmm. Your capital gain rate is going from 15 to 20%. That's how things are right now. We've got we're in the middle of an election year. More than likely, nothing's going to change until after November. But strange things have happened before. Well, we have a set of dice that we can yeah. roll. To figure <laughs> you out you have a crystal going. ball in the other room, I know. Right, right. We have a crystal ball <laughs> to, to check out what the future is going to be, and when that fails, we always have the magic eight ball, right. which is a definite predictor of That's right. what's going to happen Absolutely. in the future, especially when it comes to Washington. Oh yes, yes. Um, Mike, why don't you uh, tell the folks a little bit about how you, you go to market as a business in the accounting world? Well, first, maybe who are your, your perfect prospects? My perfect prospects are, as I said before, small business owners, probably uh, less than 20 to 25 employees, could be as, as much as 15 to $25 million in revenue. Um, we get, they get much bit larger than that. They're looking for a, a larger firm just for the potential, I guess. Sure. Um, other than a company of those sorts, I work with a lot of uh, the top real estate agents in the city. I work with manufacturers, reps that maybe uh, carry multiple product lines, um, people that have traditionally filed Schedule C. I can show them ways to structure their operations to um, save a significant, significant amount of money, uh, either by forming an S-corporation, hiring a spouse or their children, converting after-tax dollars to pre-tax dollars. Um, but those are the primary uh, folks that I'm working with, small business owners of one sort or another. Okay. Uh, are you the only employee in your company? I'm the only employee of my company. Now, I do have uh, contractors that work with me that do bookkeeping for me. I also am an, R, uh, an IAR for Tuttle Wealth Management, which is an in investment advisor representative. Investment advisor representative. Right. Of Tuttle Wealth Management, who is an RIA, which is a registered investment advisor. <laughs> Stay with me. <laughs> yeah, okay. So maybe let's back up for yeah. the folks who are listening, and maybe for me. Run that part okay. bias again. I, I am I'm the only employee of my company. I do use outside yeah, uh, work uh, got that contractors me. to handle some of the books. All those initials that confuse right. people. I, I am an also I'm also an uh, independent advisor representative, an IAR of Total Wealth Management, who is a registered investment advisor, RIA. I didn't make the, I didn't make the acronyms up. But okay, just <laughs> and, and and what do they do? Uh, Total Wealth Management is a um, investment advisory firm that manages cl money for clients. Puts money under management. They are the money manager. That's they correct. are the money. They manager. are the money manager. They have so they can compete with someone like Fidelity. Potentially, yeah. I don't know if that's a great example, but yeah, they're, they're managing. Yeah, they are managing money for uh, the public uh, individual. Uh, they also manage money for retirement plans, 401k plans, and such. They are uh, somewhat different in their approach to the market. They're, they're not traditional modern portfolio type uh, investors. They are considered a tactical advisor, uh, which means that, that their, their approach is to follow the major trends in the market, not to uh, necessarily invest and hold for the long term, which has really hurt many, many investors over the past few years. Okay. Let's take a short break here, Mike, and hear a message for a Sandler rule. We'll be back in a moment. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Finding power and reinforcement is what it's all about. Today, I want to tell you about the ways that our clients have found to fix their companies and lives. Earn more money. I'm not for everyone. I'm expensive, tough, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want to have great financial results, we need to talk. Albert Einstein said insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. If you're serious, dedicated to getting better, and want to earn more money by selling more to balance your budget, we need to talk. Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-753-9400, extension 102. Tell me your toughest business problems then, if you qualify, 
I'll invite you in for a free meeting. 513-753-9400, extension 102. On the web at rothconsulting.net. Hi, I'm Kim Booker with Sandler Training, and today I'm here to talk about the Sandler Rule number 27. You can't sell anybody anything, they must discover they want it. Most salespeople have been taught that selling is telling. The more time they spend talking to the customer about their features and benefits, the more likely they will get a sale. We all remember a story, though, that says you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. In the traditional sales role, a salesperson might see a horse that's famished, and dehydrated and they're selling a bucket of water and they will spend all their time telling the horse how famished he is and then also drag him over to their bucket of water but yet they still can't make him drink. What that looks like in the real world is a customer that doesn't buy even though they have a need and they say things like let me think it over, check back next quarter or they hide from your voicemail. Why does this happen? Well we're all programmed to respond less favorably to being told than our own ideas. Whose idea do we value more anyway, a salesperson or our own ideas? A better strategy is to use third-party stories or ask questions to your prospects that let them discover why your product or service will fill their need. This makes a huge difference in closing your sales. Remember, selling is not telling. Let the customer talk most of the time. That's saying the rule number 27, why you can't sell anybody anything you have to let them discover they want it. This is Mike Roth and Mike McCormick. We're back with you, and we're going to be talking now about how we go to market selling a personal service or a business service. Small company, probably no one else in the audience is listening or cares, but maybe there are some people who have to sell a service. To sell a service, you have an advantage. You understand what that is, Mike? Go ahead, Mike. I'm not sure where you're going. Well, services uh, can't fail on demo. <laughs> you know, if you're selling a copier machine, may not work. you hit the two-sided copier machine, I worked at, at IBM for a while, and we used to have a copier machine that was equipped with a fire extinguisher. Every once in a while, the uh, fuser drum would get over temp and burn paper. Mm. So if it did it during a demo, it was a serious problem. The machine could fail. Well, people could say, it's too big, or well, they didn't like the color. Services can't fail that way pre-sale. That's correct. So tough to, tough to show someone a balance sheet in the demonstration. Yeah. <laughs> or creating a balance sheet. Yeah. Just, just show me my balance sheet. Well, right. My P and L is going to look like. What's my tax right. return going to going to come out like? Uh, now, as a service provider, how do you go to market? How do you find new clients? Well, primarily, my business has grown over the past couple of years through referrals. Uh, I have. I have also, any chance I get, I do uh, public presentations on tax planning issues, tax saving ideas. Uh, primarily in the past it's been for other financial advisors and real estate agent uh, brokers. Uh, I've done presentations for AXA advisors, Sipsy um, Klein, and Remax uh, most recently. But primarily my best clients have come through referrals. You're getting a lot of referrals. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Someone who does good work should get a lot of referrals. Uh, over here at Sandler, we teach people a lot of uh, methodologies to uh, get more referrals. So if anyone's listening and wants to learn how to get more referrals, contact me. Well, and I would have to say that my Sandler training has definitely helped me prepare for asking someone for a referral or asking for a qualified re- referral that is the type of client that I'm working for. It's easy to get a referral for someone that needs a tax return done, but that's not really the client that I'm looking for. Yes, we do tax preparation, but I'm, that's not 
the real service that I want to provide someone. It's, it's the planning that goes into deciding and determining where the numbers are supposed to go on the return. Mm-hmm. Most, most accountants do a fine job of, of taking the numbers, putting them on the return, shipping it out the door. I want to be part of helping the client determine, one, can it go on the return as a deduction, and which line most uh, appropriately affects the client's tax liability. So when we uh, talk about getting referrals and introductions, what's the uh, standout method that, that you're using in your world, Mike? Well, I think pre- the, the first method, Mike, is providing good service, good follow-up with the people that, that have referred p- clients to me, good follow-up with the people that they've referred to me. Providing good service to them is, is the key. Um, asking my centers of influence to, to send me their clients. And have you ever tried using some of the Sandler technology as in inner circle, outer circle to get more referrals? Absolutely. And how does that work for you? Uh, it's fantastic. The, the idea of uh, picking the, the best source of a referral and working with that group has provided me with, like I said before, some of the best clients I have. Mm-hmm. In the marketplace, and I know things are changing, this is an election year, what do you see as the opportunities and the obstacles for businesses? Well, from a tax standpoint, the opportunities for myself are that there's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt about what's going to happen to the tax system. Right now, we know what it is. We know that it's going to change. And at the end of the year, uh, those changes are, are creating a lot of concern in the marketplace, creating situations where people are delaying making business decisions because they, they're not sure what the long-term tax implications of that decision might be. So for someone like myself, I can help guide those businesses, those business owners, to it may not be a, a, a 100%, 100% solution, but we can get them to maybe 90% of reducing that fear to, to a level where they can make a decision and help them grow their business. Mm-hmm. When we talk about opportunities, what do you see as the the optimistic side of where we are in the business cycle right now? I know a lot of people saying we're coming out of the recession. Uh, I know I certainly see some some indicators of that, and other people are kind of neutral on to whether mm-hmm. or not we're coming out. Of it. Uh, what What do you see? From my perspective, I, I, I see some optimism. I see the news media turning to providing more positive uh, news. Um, I still think there's a lot of concern in the marketplace. A lot of people are holding back because they're not sure, one, are we really on uh, sound footing or are we headed for another um, flash crash or decline in, in, the, in the stock market. A lot of our uh, financial business hinges on news that we don't control. A lot of it's out of Europe. What happens sure. in Greece, what happens in Germany, all of that um, has a direct impact on how our market uh, reacts. Let me ask you a slightly left, left-handed question. Uh, we've heard a lot of uh, ads oh, over the last uh, couple of years about the value of investing in commodities, precious metals, gold, and silver. Uh, what are your opinions on that, Mike? Well, I, I generally let Matt Tuttle handle those questions, but my... And, and Matt, my Tuttle? Matt, Matt Tuttle? he's the the, my, the the advisor that I work with. Okay. Um, gold is a good investment. Gold in, in any other investment is not the the perfect investment. Uh, we've ha- we've seen over a period of time that, that gold and, and silver have have risen um, to levels that may or may not be sustainable. Uh, but given the uh, the currency issues that our country faces, um, it's not unwarranted for someone to have gold as as part of their portfolio. So, as a accountant, put on your CPA hat. What percentage of someone's retirement portfolio should be in precious metals, gold, silver? 
Uh, Mike, I'll have to give you the standard CPA answer. Which is? It depends. <laughs> oh, that's a failed Procter and Gamble. Uh, <laughs> under, undergarments, yes. yes. It, it depends. It depends on uh, the person's stage in life. It depends on how soon they're going to need to take money out of their retirement accounts. Um, because if they're in a, if if they hold some of these in, in retirement accounts, uh, they have they may have reti- required minimum distributions where they need to liquidate money uh, securities mm-hmm. or whatever it is quickly in order to meet those requirements. Um, it, it it really it honestly depends on the person's situation. What do you think most people are looking for right now in terms of uh, their tax accounting advisor? Well, I think they're looking for someone that is proactive, whether they realize it or not. Like I said before, most accountants do a fine job of putting the numbers on the right places on the return based on the information the client gives them. They just don't go the next step and help the client structure their affairs to put them on possibly different lines or put them on the return at all. It's about potential. It's partially about converting after-tax dollars to pre-tax dollars. If I can show a business owner how to, uh, for example, write off their daughter's braces. That'd be cool. That'd be great. Or write off their kids' soccer cleats. Uh, those are things that I think most business owners might perk up and listen to. Sure. Those are just a couple of basic examples. Um, well, show me how to write off my new Mercedes. Well, it, it potentially as a business expense, mileage, or putting it in the business. Yeah, there, it, it depends on the situation and structuring that transaction in the most tax-effective way. As far as putting braces or paying for your your child's braces, can you can you write a check to the do, the dentist or orthodontist from the business and call it braces? That doesn't work. But let's let's say your daughter works in your business, mm-hmm. files papers, licks stamps. Pr- stamps, stuffs envelopes, whatever it might be. Pay your child to do that in addition to whatever allowance you may give them. Right, right now you now you have an employee. You have wages that you're paying to that child. You could pay the child up to about right now fifty-eight hundred dollars per year that you can write off as a business expense. The child doesn't have to pick it up or doesn't pay any tax on it in their return. Depending on how your business is structured, you may not have to pay Social Security or Medicare for that child either. Mm-hmm. Let the child pay for their own braces. Oh. Let the kid pay for their own braces. We write a kid. check out of the kid's personal. Uh, exactly. So yeah. now we now we've converted an after-tax expense to a pre-tax expense. How do we do that? In the business, we set up a medical expense reimbursement plan for our employees, a la our child or our spouse. Uh, Is there a special uh, name or abbreviation for that? Well, we call it a, a MERP, a medical expense reimbursement plan. Um, it, it requires the business owner create a, or sign a plan document on a specific date saying who's eligible, what expenses are eligible, those sorts of things. Um, we do it every day in our practice. It's one of, again, it's one of the, our, our favorite strategies. Is that the 105 plan? It is. It's absolutely 105 plan. Uh, and it can be done in a, a small company with one or two employees, with family members. It can be done in larger companies to um, help them restructure, or as we say, refinance their employee benefits as well. Okay. Before we take a break, uh, Mike, why don't you tell people how they can contact you after the show okay. with questions or maybe to get some, some information about how you might be able to help them. Okay. Thank you, Mike. My office phone number is 513-488-1121, and it's extension 206. My website is www.cincytaxcoach.com, and that's C-I-N-C-Y, taxcoach.com. My email address is mike at cincytaxcoach.com as well, and it's C-I-N-C-Y. Good. We'll, t- we'll be taking a short break here. We'll be back in about two minutes after we hear this from Sandler. Hi, my name's Bob Henricks. I'm with Sandler Training. I'm here to talk to you today about rule number 26. People buy in spite of the hard sell, not because of it. First of all, what is the hard sell? The hard sell is selfish selling. In a traditional system, we've all been taught to lead with features, advantages, and benefits. 
in the Sandler system, we're taught to lead with something just, well, a little bit different than that. You see, the hard sell doesn't always sound like the hard sell. It isn't the fast eddy approach necessarily. What it is, again, is selfish selling, where you're more concerned about what it is you think you can do to help somebody when in fact you really can't do much at all until you learn the other side of the equation. So, ways to avoid it? Number one, ask a lot of questions. Figure out what's causing the problems that the prospects are experiencing. Secondly, you have to care. Think about the amount of time that you invest in caring about your prospect, and your prospect will want to spend more time with you, not only in terms of how long it takes you to put the business process together with them, but also in becoming a client with them. At the end of the day, you learn to care about your client and ask the appropriate questions, you will be guiltless of the hard sell. Company owners and sales managers, are you sick and tired of hiring a salesperson you think is Tom Cruise only to get Pee Wee Herman on the first day of the job? Call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, to stop this from happening to you again. This is Mike Roth with Mike McCormick. Mike, I wanted to ask you a question, and it's one of my favorite questions for the show. I have a philosophy that simple solutions to complex problems are rarely, if ever, right. And therefore, for complex problems, especially involving money and taxes, you need a complex solution. Perhaps you could share uh, with our audience a complex problem and a complex solution that you and your firm have been able to come up with to help people and companies. Well, complex problems come up all the time in my business. And generally, there are no simple solutions to be found. In order to save a business owner money, Sometimes it's easy to come up with a single strategy that can save them money, but overall we're looking for many strategies that the business owner may be able to implement today or over a period of time that are designed to save them money. Uh, Specific examples, uh, I work with um, small business owners that have free cash flow, helping them find ways to uh, shelter that money. And free cash flow means? Well, cash flow that is going to be taxed that if they could find a, a vehicle to, we'll, we'll use the word shelter, that money, w- they would not pay tax on that free cash flow, that excess cash flow. Okay. That by excess or free cash flow, it's, it's money, cash flow that they have in the business that's ne- not used, not needed for operations, not needed to improve their lifestyle or not needed for their lifestyle today. It's money that uh, they could invest in the market, which may be risky. It may be money that they could uh, put into a retirement plan, a it might be a uh, defined benefit plan, defined comp- co- contribution plan. It might be a closely held insurance company where we can set up that company to be owned by the children and have it come out of the business owner as a business expense, come out of their estate to be given to the kids at some point in the future. It might be setting up a uh, a, a group term benefit program that allows the business owner to deduct insurance premiums by the business, have a portion of it taxed as W-2 income, but potentially set up a situation where they're, they're expensing. A good example is one we just went through. We, we, we were able to set up a program where the business owner over five years could deduct $250,000 to be set up so that 20 years down the road, they could have a net cash flow without taxes of $96,000 per year for another 20 years. So that's long-term planning. Um, The contributions per year, partially deductible by the business, partially taxable to the employee, but the long-term benefit to this particular uh, business owner was tremendous. So maybe, Mike, you can uh, give us a a better feel for what the difference is between uh, traditional... uh, tax planning and what you do. Sure. Mike, most tax professionals, when when you talk about tax planning, you're you're asking that tax professional to do a projection of what your taxes might be for the next three, five, or ten years. Because of the uncertainty in our in our tax system right now, generally as soon as that tax plan is printed, or tax projection tax projections I would say, 
uh, it's outdated. It's almost like a computer. As soon as you unpack it, plug it in, that sucker's outdated. <laughs> you need a new one. <laughs> you need a new one. Uh, what I do is planning from a strategy standpoint. What can we, can we restructure something in their business or show them a way to deduct dollars that they're not currently deducting or restructure their business in such a way where we can wring out tax savings without necessarily changing how they operate their business. It might be uh, taking a Schedule C business and showing them how to um, set up a corporation, an S corporation. It might be showing a business owner that has one stream of income from their business and breaking it off into multiple streams of income. So is your work with a client ongoing or is it one time? Generally it's ongoing. We have some clients where we've only done the tax plan and they've continued to work with their tax advisor. Generally over a period of time they're going to come back to me and allow me to, to have the ongoing relationship with them because I've done the planning. I've shown them how to do it. One of the questions we ask uh, new clients or prospects, people that I meet on the street is, when was the last time your tax professional brought you an idea that was designed to save you money? That's a hell of a good question. What's the answer? When was the last time my CPA brought me a tax-saving right. idea? That was designed to save you money. Gee, 10 years ago. Okay. I'm sure there are ideas that could come out that, that could potentially show you ways to save money. That's what we're looking for. It's it's starting that conversation with someone to get them to open up a little bit. Most clients have the same reaction. Well, they, they sit there for a second and they, and they think, never. <laughs> or it's been an awful long time. It's been an awful long time. Yeah. Uh, so how do you bill for your services, Mike? So there are no surprises for no, our clients. Yeah, I, I'm I, not asking you to give an absolute price. No, I, I won't give an absolute, absolute price, but Mike, generally, um, I quote a fee for my service. I don't like to bill by the hour because that lends to giving the client a surprise that they're not anticipating. Mm -hmm. I try to upfront tell them, here's what the tax plan is going to cost. And, and from my perspective, that there's a wide range of what that fee may be. It might be $1,500 for a, retail, a real, uh, realtor. It might be ten or $15,000 for a manufacturer or somewhere in between based on what I think the value is to that, that, that person, that business owner. I think billing by the hour is bad for the client. It's bad for me. It has no relationship to the value of, of what I'm doing for so them. So actually you're working on a fixed fee per project basis. C correct. We do, we do change orders for new aspects of the, of the engagement that may come up. If, if the client gets audited, something like that, we'll, again, we'll quote a fee to handle that service for that client. Okay. Let me switch gears with you for a minute. Is that sure. okay? Absolutely. I know that you've written uh, two books first book's been out for a while. Yes. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit about that book? Because uh, a lot of new business people, entrepreneurs, uh, might be interested in it. Well, my, my first book came out in June of 2010, just shortly after I left the other firm. It's The Entrepreneur's Guide to Forming a Business Entity, and it has to do with the different entity types that are available to a business. Most people are aware of what a sole proprietor is. They, they've heard the word LLC, or Limited Liability Company. They've heard of what a corporation is. They've heard of an S corporation. What, I, what I've done in the book is clarify what each of these entities are. I don't tell someone specifically, this is the one for you. But because one of the first questions many business owners ask me is, what should I be? What should I be when I grow up? And, and again, it goes back to the same answer. It's, it depends. So I, read, but I read this first book yeah. because it's been out for a while. Correct. It was pretty good. Yeah. at describing the types of entities right. that a uh, on, new entrepreneur should look at right. to figure out where they should be. Um, even even existing businesses, because again, part of the planning process is determining, one, is the business owner using the correct business entity, or two, is there a way that we can show them where, I like to say, have multiple entities in their stable? You know, Can they use an S-Corp, a C-Corp, a... Um, uh, an, LL an LLC for different reasons in their business and wring out tax savings by doing so. So, what is your opinion of partnerships? True partnerships, I, I haven't really worked with a true partnership in a really long time. Mm -hmm. uh, most of them are now LLCs. A multi-member LLC is taxed 
as if it were a partnership by default. Okay, so so if you have if you and I were in a partnership or in an LLC together, it would be a multi-member LLC taxed as a partner partnership. Sorry. Okay. Now now to confuse things even okay. further, <laughs> that LLC that partnership can elect to be taxed in a different way. It could elect to be taxed as a C corporation. It could elect to be taxed then as an S corporation. After after five years, we can reverse that process. So. Picking the entity has has ramifications long term. So, I've run into a lot of people over the years that have been in partnerships. I, I've always felt our poor choice of business form, uh, especially on the back end when there's a divorce inside the partnership. Right. Yeah, and LLCs have um, not necessarily fixed that, but but I strongly recommend first when we're when we're talking about business entities. I like to have the client, myself, the CPA, and the attorney in the same room. That way we can talk about all the issues that the client may face. But the LLC should have an operating agreement between the members. Members are the partners, per se. Okay. And it should spell out what happens when somebody wants in, somebody wants out, there's a dispute. All those things should be um, covered in some way in that, that operating agreement. Does it happen all the time? No, it's it's uh, unfortunately uh, it doesn't happen regularly enough where they have that operating agreement in place. Right. So your your general recommendation then for small business people would be avoid partnerships and instead be in LLCs. That seems to be the general rule now because of the I, I I say it's a malleable entity because it can you can elect to have that entity taxed in a different manner than the default over a period of time. So you may start as a single member LLC bring in a partner, become a multi-member LLC, tax as a partnership, let the business grows, now we decide we want corporate tax treatment or we want S-corporation tax treatment, we can morph that entity over a period of time. So, so how does someone get a copy of this book? It's, it, it is available on Amazon.com. Uh, you can look up Michael J. McCormick and it will, it will display there. Um, they can get a copy directly from me through the website. Um, there's a, a box in the upper right-hand corner where they can subscribe or get a copy of one of my white papers, which is the, the 10 most expensive tax mistakes people make. If they sign up for that, the PDF will be available immediately, and they will get entered in the list to receive my weekly email updates. And um, at that point, they'll have my email address. They can send me a note that they would like a copy of the book. So just out of curiosity, because I'm not going to go over all 10 of the sure. uh, points in your white paper, why does number one the most... Uh, expensive mistake business owners make? Absolutely the most expensive mistake business owners make is they don't plan. It's like anything else, Mike. You fail to plan, you fail to succeed. Wow. So when they fail to plan, they just opened the business and didn't have a good tax strategy? Well, isn't that the way most businesses come about? It's a spur of the moment. There's the entrepreneurial uh, boost. I've got my own business. I'm ready to go. I've sold something but they've never really thought about how that impacts their life. They haven't thought about how am I going to report that income on a tax return. They just run through the year, they go see their tax guy, and it's too late to make any changes. You know, Now, this time of year, is the perfect time for businesses to make planning decisions. When you hear on the news in December, here are the things you can do for tax planning. It's really too late. And, and, and by the time December 31st rolls around, you know the pumpkin's already turned, or the carriage has already turned back into the pumpkin. You, c you can't change what's already happened. Right. So you have to go backwards and, and or go into the next plan for the next year. year. Right. Early in the year is the best time to do planning for anything. Yeah, you know that. Okay. Let's take a uh, a short break, and we'll be back in a minute or two. Company owners and sales managers, are you tired of cutting your price to get the deal? Wouldn't you like to have a better way? Wouldn't you want to improve your margins? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 to see if there's a better way for you. Hi, I'm George Donovan with Sandler Training. I'm here to talk to you about rule number 19, never help the prospect end the interview. We've all been on sales calls where it's been uncomfortable and the prospect's acting uninterested or maybe even a little bit hostile. 
Your inclination is to close your portfolio, get up, and walk out, but don't. This rule calls for you to hang in there. Ask the question that gets the issue on the table. Chances are, it's not you. Maybe it's your company's past performance that's the problem, or perhaps another company that sells similar products or services. Or maybe it's another salesperson that has nothing to do with you or your company, but you'll never know unless you ask. So it sounds something like this. Let's suppose your prospect's name was Bill. You'd say, Bill, you seem a little bit skeptical. Is there something that I've said or done that's made you feel this way? And if it is, could we talk about it? Or maybe you say, Bill, I sense that there's a problem. Would it be okay if we talked about that for a minute? So the important part is that you ask. It takes the pressure off of you, and it helps the prospect work through the issue so you can get by it and get back to the interview. So the next time you're in an uncomfortable sales call, don't bail. Hang in there and remember rule number 19. Never help the prospect end the interview. Mike Roth again with Mike McCormick, CPA, and we're talking about his books. We finished talking about the first book, and now I'd like to talk about the second book. I love the title of this one, Nine Reasons Business Owners Overpay Their Taxes, or Don't Mistake These Same Don't Make These Same Mistakes Yourself. Who out there thinks they're paying too much in taxes? I don't know if there's anyone who thinks that. I, I, I doubt that any of you readers or listeners think that. This is a business guide set up only for business owners who want to lower their taxes. This is, is this book designed specifically for people here in the Cincinnati metro? It's designed for business owners in general. We have so someone who's sitting and listening in uh, Boise, Idaho, or Los Angeles, California, could take advantage of these. Absolutely. These are, they're, they're not state-specific strategies. They're not state-specific reasons why someone is overpaying their tax. It's generally, when we talk about these issues, they're, they're federal in nature. So it applies to any business owner. Okay, so again, how would someone get a hold of a copy of this? Uh, this one is not available on Amazon. This one's only available for me. So they can send me an email at mike at cincytaxcoach.com, and that's cincy with a Y, uh, or uh, go to my website and give me a call. The number is 513-488-1121. So yeah, this, this, is, this is a pre-draft. This isn't the, the actual draft, final draft. Okay, this is, yeah. this is a brand new book. Yeah, this, is, this has not even completely been edited yet. So what what is the availability date, do you think? I'm guessing the 1st of June, uh, middle of June. Middle of June? Yeah. Okay, here at the show. Correct. And uh, what is the cost of that book? This, this one this one is free. Uh, this is a, a, I'm using it as more of a, a lead generation device so that people can get a feel for who I am and the kind of issues that I discuss with prospects. Okay. When you uh, put the book together, uh, what were your sources? Sources are generally information and situations that I've come across in my practice and experience that, experiences that I've seen my clients and prospects encounter and just 18 years worth of um, seeing what happens to taxpayers when they overpay their, their taxes. In the last couple of years, what's the worst situation that you've run into that you were able to help with? I don't use any real names. Yeah, no specifics, huh? No specifics. Uh, actually, it's probably the one I'm involved with right now. I've, I have a, a, a new client who operated originally as a single-member LLC, elected S-corporation status, brought in a non-qualified shareholder, which means that, that bringing in this person causes the S-election to terminate. So the next year, the tax preparer filed the wrong set of returns. Yeah, so that happened for two years, and we're trying to unwind, unwind this uh, right now. Yeah, it's it's a significant issue. Is there a tax liability or something like well, that? Well, yeah, unfortunately, it it um, it has significant tax ramifications because the the income that was paid out to the partners would would, would be treated incorrectly would have been treated incorrectly if the correct set of returns were filed. It has significant ramifications. So these guys who set the company up uh, didn't have a good tax advisor. Well, I would say that that the tax advisor made an incorrect assumption and didn't follow the path of entity creation. 
it's a defined path, LLC, C Corp, S Corp, and then you reverse the, the steps. S Corp terminated, it becomes a C Corporation. All the all the money that was paid out to the partners was handled incorrectly based on, based on that flow of entity. Wow, and that's all covered in your first book. The, the, the types of entities are absolutely, yes. Good, okay. The question I'd like to ask people is, you know, how are you using the Internet and social media to drive business in your world? Well, obviously I have a website. It's not being fully utilized, I don't think. I need to have some different types of media on there, audio, visual, video clips, those sorts of things. I am using Twitter, uh, Cincy Tax Coach. I am using Facebook. I do have a Facebook business page that's not active at the moment. So on Twitter, how many people are following you? Uh, that's a good question, Mike. I would guess about 1,500 right now. Hmm. You need a big number. Like I, mean, I, I, I know. You tell me that regularly. <laughs> the same as my uh, uh, as part of that uh, usage of media, I have a weekly email that goes out that covers many topics, and we generally twist some sort of tax issue into that topic. Yes, I, I know about those. I've been yeah. reading them. They're, yeah. they're, they're really quite interesting. Uh, is that something that you're writing yourself? Yes, absolutely. I, I, I also have people that feed content to me and make edits, but yeah, it's, it, a lot of it comes directly out of, out of us. So you're sending that to 1,500 people a week? <laughs> it's, a, it's a different list. No, it's not quite that large, but it is growing every day. Okay. So Now the, now the the message that goes out is according to 1500. I do a separate post to Twitter and such to say, hey, and, and go how many get people it. are you linked into? Approaching 500. It's not a bad number. Yeah. Uh, in LinkedIn, the number of people that you're connected to is your currency. Right. I'll suggest that you really need to be at 1,000 to get yeah. to the business community here in Cincinnati. Is all of your business located here in the Cincinnati metro? No. Interestingly, I have clients in approximately eight states. I have clients in California, Texas, Florida, Kentucky, Indiana, obviously Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania. There's probably a few. I know there are a few more in there. How do you wind up with clients in places like California working here in Cincinnati? Well, it, it could be that a client started here and moved. Mm -hmm. It could be that uh, I work with an advi several, adv obviously, advisors in other, other states that refer me to a client for uh, particular issues. The one in Pennsylvania, for example, was referred to, to me by a retirement plan specialist that I work with for what I, what we call uh, self-custodian 401k plans. He is in Colorado. This client was working with him. He knows that I'm an expert in this particular area, and I've been working with them for about uh, two years now. Okay, so you have people in different states. Absolutely. And have you actually gotten any business through the Internet, Mike? I or have. Well, I would say that the best source of information, or best source of potential clients has been my weekly message. I have been sending that out for uh, about 10 months now, and I know for certain that there are at least two clients, good clients, well-qualified well clients that have come from that, that message, that weekly message. One that, I, that comes to mind off the top of my head, I met a year ago, put him on the list in September when I started the message. He contacted me in March and became a client. And the way he contacted me was, I don't know how I got on your list, but I didn't want to talk to you. <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. So, And I knew exactly where he came from. Is this something you're using with content, constant contact? or uh, it, it's, it's a service similar to both of those. I actually use Ace of Sales, which gives me a, a better, I think, a, a little bit better graphical format. But it's the same idea as a constant contact. Or, so you, or you know who opened the email, how long they looked at it, how many times they opened many, it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Now, my experience with that is that it's not 100% accurate because I know that people have told me that they've read the message, but yet their, their number of opens is still zero. So it might be that they opened it from a web browser or some other device that didn't report back to the server that they had actually opened it. But overall, I'm getting about a 20... 22 to 25 percent regular open rates on the, on the message that goes out. That's not bad at all. Yeah. And are you uh, calling the people to open it? Mike, I, I will admit that I, I've been lax in doing that. Uh, that is one of the things that I want to improve in 2012. But it, it, that goes along with staying in touch with the people that are referring to me, my best clients, and talking to the people that are not yet clients that are opening my messages. Right. Uh, we we found that if you can call someone within 
a few hours or even simultaneously with them opening a document, you get a, a much better pull-through ratio. I'm sure. And some some services will tell you when the instant someone is opening up your yeah. email, uh, which gives you an advantage in making the making the call. Right. In fact, I've heard some clients tell us that they've gotten orders and business out of doing that directly. Uh, Mike, in, you, in your world, CPA, a tax coach, do you have any special industries that you're uh, that you like to work in? Mike, I like, like working with other professionals. Uh, they may be investment advisors or attorneys. Uh, I, I like working with medical professionals, doctors. Mm -hmm. These these are groups where they may have a tax advisor, but again, they're, they're, they're following the yellow brick road. This is what we did last year, this is what we're going to do this year, and this is probably what we're going to do next year. So they get in this rut where they're not looking at things that, that have changed or other opportunities to save money. I can step in and ask them that question, when was the last time your tax advisor brought you an idea designed to save you money? And more than likely, they're going to say, it's been a real long time. That's a really good question. Uh, Mike, before we wrap up, because we're getting uh, close on time, uh, any last thoughts or, or pieces of advice you'd like to uh, give our listeners? Sure. The The tax code is full of discounts for business owners. You may not look at it that way, but wouldn't you like a discount on your tax bill? Wouldn't, would, wouldn't you, Who wouldn't want a discount on their tax bill? There's no specific line on a 1040 or an 1120 tax return that says, enter your discount here or put your discount code in or anything like that. Wow, when are they going to come up with that? Yeah, that would be novel, wouldn't it? Yeah, discount code. Right. So Coupon if, code. if you're looking for a discount on your income taxes, look for someone that is a proactive tax advisor, someone that's that's looking at strategies designed to save you money, not just following the yellow brick road. Okay, and, and let's just finish with the, with this one question that really probably is, is only in my mind, which is better, to file your income taxes on paper or to file them electronically? Wow. Well, it, it's getting to the point where the IRS is putting a lot of regulate more regulations on tax preparers. And at this point, if we file more than 100 tax returns, I think it's 100, we are required to e-file those returns unless the taxpayer is willing to sign a document requesting that we not e-file it. In my world, it's, it's entirely up to the taxpayer. Um, if, it, if, it if their return includes a refund, general, generally they want that money as soon as possible. So e-filing a return, getting a direct deposit, is going to the, be the, the absolute quickest way to get that money. Um, filing by paper is going to extend that period by anywhere from two to six weeks probably. Mm -hmm. I've always looked at giving the IRS as hard a time as I can. Well, so that paper sounds like a much more difficult. Yeah. Uh, it it, it certainly is. There, it, but it, on the flip side, it also introduces the potential for entry error on the IRS's part. I have seen where a, a, a taxpayer will get a notice from the IRS for something that we know was on the return, but they're getting the notice because it didn't show up in the IRS's system in the matching process. So it kicks out a letter to the client. The client gets upset about it, nervous. Anytime you get that black and white envelope in the mail, your blood pressure goes up a few few uh, pounds, I'm sure. I, I understand what you're saying, yeah, Mike. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, why don't you tell the folks how they can get a hold of you? My telephone number at the office is 513-488-1121, extension 206. My web address is www c-i-n-c-y-t-a-x-c-o-a-c-h dot com Mike just for uh, the audience many of our clients here at Sandler individuals, manufacturers, reps sometimes even financial services reps they run into a problem when they start with us they believe our fees are totally deductible as an education expense um, and a year later when their income has gone up $100,000, dollars $300,000, they sit down in front of me and they give me a complaint. They said, Mike, your fees weren't deductible. I got hit by alternate minimum tax. What, what do we tell those folks? Well, uh, let's explain what the alternative minimum tax is. And, and you hear the buzzword, the AMT. 
the alternative minimum tax is what I call a parallel universe. It, it, it's not. It's a. It's a. An add-on to the regular tax code. You have to. I don't have the Star Wars name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, alternative alternative minimum tax starts with your your tax liability for federal purposes and adds back what they call preference items. It might be state and local income taxes that you paid. It might be uh, an issue with preferential income, capital gain income, or um, dividend uh, qualified dividends where you're paying 15% on that income. Those sorts of things are added back to your income. And then your another set of guidelines is in, in, imputed to determine what your alternative minimum tax is. If your alternative minimum tax is greater than your ordinary income tax, your federal income tax, you add the difference onto your federal tax to get you the AMT. Long way to get there. What can somebody do? First of all, your fees are always deductible as a business expense for the business that's paying them. Mm -hmm. If it's an employee that's paying your fees, there really isn't a way for them to specifically deduct those unless they treat them as an unreimbursed employee expense on Schedule A. That means that they can only benefit from those, one, if they itemize, two, if, if, the, if those fees that they paid you exceed their adjusted gross income by 2%. So they're losing out on the first 2%. So how can they fix that? One, do they have another business that they run in parallel to their employment? where they can deduct those costs as a business expense. So let's say they were in a multi-level business as well as working as a... Uh, as a W-2 employee for GE. GE on 100% commission. That's right. That's right. So maybe they've got a, uh, MLM on the side. There's nothing wrong with MLMs at all if they're treated as a business. Now, so in the MLM, maybe they can treat 100% of your fee as a business expense against that income. If they are a manufacturer's, an independent manufacturer's rep, they can deduct those fees as a business expense right off their, their Schedule C or their other business tax return, whatever they may be filing. So for many people who are expanding their universe and want to earn more money, mm -hmm. uh, an MLM might make some sense if they're an employee, which, so they will then have a, another business that they could do a deduction that's right. And that again, that goes back into the planning process. It's looking at where you are today and figuring out how to create a scenario or a situation where something becomes deductible. You know, a lot the, a lot of people come to me and they say, um, can I deduct this? Right. That's really the wrong question to ask your tax advisor. The right question to ask them is, how can I deduct this? What do I have to do? <laughs> what do I need to do to deduct to this? Make this deductible. And if your tax advisor is forward thinking at all, they will help you come up with a way to do that. Now there there is there are situations out there where it may not be possible. But generally there's a way to deduct almost everything somewhere. So in, in short, those people who are really independent contractors, ten ninety nines things like uh, manufacturer's reps, since they really are 1099, this becomes totally deductible as a business expense. If, yeah, if, they, if they're a 1099 contractor, absolutely. If they're Get, getting money from four or five different uh, principles. Well, it could be one also. Okay. They could be a rep for one company. that, that they're, they're might be captive, but they're not an employee. And then the second uh, way to do it for those people who are classified as employee taking salary or salary plus commission, uh, the way for them to make their their investment in themselves deductible is to get involved in another business. Uh, doesn't even have to make a lot of money, like multi-level. Well, it it could be a sideline business business that's complementary to their W two employment as well. Or it could be something that's totally it's in left field. It could be totally unrelated, and it could maybe it's the spouse who owns the other business that you're an employee of that business as well. Okay, so there there are multiple ways to reduce your tax exposure based on working with a uh, truly creative tax planner. And, and by creative, I, I wouldn't want to give the connotation that we're doing anything that's shady or 
on the wrong side of the line. No, we're, all, we're, they're above board. all above board. We're, we're talking about using strategies that are, are IRS approved and court tested, not anything that is shady or or beyond reproach or approach, reproachable. I guess is the better way to say it. Um, that that have already been tested through the courts. These are things that people do every day. It's a matter of finding the the structure of business that that allows for it. And we got to we got to do that during the tax year in question. Absolutely. Not and, three and, years later. Right. Yeah. And many of the things need to be done uh, prior to engaging in whatever that. Great. Mike, thanks for joining us here today. I'll be giving you a copy of uh, Sandler's new book, The Success Insights, which is the companion to the Sandler Success Rules. That book has risen to the uh, number one status on Amazon and several other lists. So it's a great read. Join us again. We're at 4 p.m. on most Thursdays and Fridays on Block Talk Radio, or you can listen to us through the Apple iTunes Store on Podcast. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks, Mike. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.